Just we're gonna invite Ryan, and uh, I'm just gonna bless him and pray for him before he rips it up. Not that he need you don't need any more anointing in this place, really. You're all good, but Father, I just thank you for for my new friend. I just ask that you just release the spirit of, of grace upon him to just give him the ability right now to release every word that's in his heart, everything that he doesn't have from when he was sitting down, that you give him more stuff as he's standing up here. And Father, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be on him right now, that the Holy Ghost would just speak powerfully and the word would just become alive and not drop to the floor any place in this place. We thank you that the seed and the soil's all ready. And so we receive and we receive and we receive and take your time, brother. Amen. Come on. Come on, can we give a round of honor to this pastor, the father of the house? Come on. Well, I'd ask who, uh, whose uh, first time is it hearing me speak, but I'm sure all hands would be raised, including your pastors. <laughs> but uh, I am so honored to be here, and I thank the pastor for allowing me to be here. We've been having an amazing time in Maine, and just bring, we're going to bring the party down to New Hampshire. We're just excited. We've been doing an identity tour, me and a guy named... Uh, good friend of mine, Bill Vanderbush, and uh, he had to fly back to Florida, so he actually just got back to Florida and is trying to go through the sea of people that are trying to get out of Florida so he can get into Florida. So we definitely want to pray tonight for Florida and uh, just even the islands that have already been affected by this storm. And uh, how many of you know that God has given us authority over everything that he hasn't forged from his heart? Isn't that a good word? Like, you have authority over everything that God says is his footstool. And one of the things that I believe that the enemy is trying to do is bring stress in the body of Christ when God says, you know what, I'm going to trump that stress with rest. But how many of you know that rest isn't really just going on a vacation? Rest is actually having your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions settled when everything is stirred around you. God wants to give you a rest that you can pull up a pillow and actually sleep in the back of the boat just like Jesus did because you have a word that you're going to the other side. Rest is actually God giving you a security in your mind, your will, and your emotions, having such a stability and a security within you that nothing can stir you that's around you. I love this because the disciples were not rebuked for not recalling the storm. They were rebuked because they didn't sleep in the storm. And how many of you know, God, watch this, you have authority over everything that God didn't forge from the abundance of his heart. If you want to know what comes from the abundance of God's heart, look at what he spoke and brought into existence, and that's Jesus, the word made flesh. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Jesus is the word made flesh, according to John chapter 1. So if Jesus is the word made flesh, that means God, just like he spoke light to be, he spoke his son into existence to reveal to sons and daughters what we're all called to do and co-labor with. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how many of you know that's words? And if Jesus is the word made flesh, then Jesus is literally the spoken desire of the Father. And he speaks from the abundance of desire for each and every one of us that he would send his son as an example to reveal to us what it looks like to be secure in an unsecure situation or insecure situation. And I love this because Jesus commands his disciples, let's go to the other side, but they get overwhelmed by what they see rather than being settled by what they've heard. 
Everything that God speaks is yes and amen, and everything that God speaks and declares is to calm the storm that rages in your soul so that you can enter the rest that he promised you before he went back to the Father. Do you get that? Like everything the Father spoke, speaks and everything the Father declares is to give peace to a storm that is raging in your soul so that you actually see yourself being the one that has authority over the storm and you're actually the one that realizes you have authority over it to where you're not controlled by it, but yet it has to listen to you rather than you listening to it. <laughs> There's too many things that are forged out of our fear because of what we see, when God wants to establish things through you because of your faith based on what you've heard. That's why I think it's such a timely thing your pastor wants to take you through this Sean Bowles thing. Why? Because God wants us to hear him. <laughs> God wants the word, all 66 books to come alive. But how many of you know God is, God is actually, watch, Holy Spirit wants to make God relevant, not a relic. <laughs> Isn't that good? Like, let's just settle on that for a moment. I was going to give an introduction, tell you who I am, and I will just in a minute, I, in a minute. But I am a child of God who's absolutely so excited about my daddy, and I just love to brag about him everywhere I go. But watch this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? But how many of you know that faith comes when you actually release a testimony and that testimony is actually your test being impacted by the word? Because God actually puts language to a reality that he wants you to have hope in even though it's beyond your ability. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How many of you know, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. God always speaks to give you hope for a reality that you're to press into. And guess what? Jesus then becomes the joy that's set before you to help you endure the opposition that comes when you press towards the mark of your high calling, which is revealed to you by the word of God. The word of God reveal, reveals to you the reality that you are now in partnership with because you have a relationship with God and his kingdom is now yours. And God actually wants to reveal to his people the things that you are to press in and to pursue. That's why God wants to be known relevantly and not to be, watch this, worship is just a relic and has been, something that's been done. Guess what? Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you what's been done so that you have a hope for what's going to be done. God, watch this. Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you God's ability so that you have hope for the revel watch for it to become a reality. Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you God's relevant ability here on this earth now so that you can be stirred up now looking and expecting for God to do something now and that hope has been forged by the word that has been spoken to you by God to give you a hope for something even though it might not look good right now. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's not just quoting scripture, it's actually hearing testimonies that have been formed out of someone who has actually believed that word and it came to pass for them. It now stirs up a hope in you that that can be your future. God wants to encourage you with his history so that you can walk with him into your future. 
this okay? Because God wants to encourage your mind so that you see things differently that has been formed by the word so that when everyone else is moved by the storm, you're resting in the storm because your mind, your will, and your emotions are secure in what your father says because really what God has already told you, even though the storm has manifested itself, watch this, it's impossible God, for God to speak something in a manifestation not to precede the thing that he spoke. When he spoke, he spoke into existence the thing that he desired to be a reality. All the promises of God are yes. That means God's promises reveal to you what he has a desire to forge and to form called reality. Like, like God, watch this, calling, the Bible says the earth was formed by what he spoke. He called things to be as though they were. Why? Because God spoke and then saw that it was good. So it means when he spoke, something actually was manifested because he desired for that reality to take over something that didn't reflect his desire. So that's why God gives you promises to be secure in because his promises are yes and amen. Why? Because his promises reveal to us what he desires to have overtake you and become reality. God reveals to you through his word what he wants you to now have faith in to become your reality. So that if there's something that is coming against you that is not formed by his word, you don't stand against his word and question it and be moved by what you see. You stand because of what you heard, believing that what God has spoken will now become your reality. And everything that's not of him will have to be cast down. That Watch, everything is cast down. Every imagination is cast down when you choose to believe the knowledge of God. Is this okay? Because if it's not, I'm going to keep teaching it because it's really good. God wants to, get, watch, God wants to encourage you in your ability by revealing his ability. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And what couldn't hold Christ doesn't have the ability to hold you. And that's why God wants you to be stirred up in what you hear, knowing that that is going to be the thing that you see. Just like when he spoke in Genesis 1, light be, and it was, and he then saw that it was good. Can I tell you something? Everything that he speaks, we must believe that it is and it will be. Because his promises are yes and amen. And God speaks what he desires to become your reality. He reveals to you what is his reality. And he gives you a hope that he wants to bring that onto, into earth to where there's a convergent zone. That's why it says in Matthew chapter 6, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is a pure uh, depiction of God's uh, uh, undefiled, pure desire and he desires that to invade earth. Come on. Where was I with all of that? Yeah, we're talking about the storm. God doesn't want you to be moved by what you have authority over to change. And the very fact that you're in the storm that you're in is because God, through the authority that you have in him, because the spirit of God lives in you, he actually says, you know what? The good that's going to come out of this is you and him co-laboring in your faith, and you're going to change and transform the thing that you see, and you're going to bring heaven into earth, and that's God's desire, and that's what God desires to become your reality. Is this all right? Because 
I hope it's making sense. Because God wants to reveal to you his desire so that you have a hope that he's going to manifest what he's already fulfilled in his son. Jesus fulfilled on the cross what the Father desires to be in you, the fullness of his glory. Come on, somebody. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me real quick to Romans. Turn with me to Romans real quick, and I'm dropping bookmarks everywhere. That's okay. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 35. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. And it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or, uh, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or darkness or pearl or sword? And I love this, verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither, uh, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Do you ever take notice when you read this, when he talks about nothing shall separate you from the love of God? Do you ever take notice that he left one thing out and that was your mind? Because how many of you know that your mind has the ability to, to, to deceive you into believing something that is opposite of what God desires for you? Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And I know the purity of, of, of Paul's writing here, and I'm not trying to add or take away from it, but I'm a firm believer that he left the mind out on purpose. Because in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, it says that we were alienated and we were enemies of God in our own mind. John chapter 15 says that he calls us not servants anymore because servants doesn't know what their master's doing or what their master has, but he's now called us friend. Talking about God speaking to reveal to you what he desires for it to be your reality and not just his because now we're joint heirs with Christ and we've received an inheritance and that's what God says is reality now has the right to become your reality in all situations. I love this because when God looked at the earth and it was formless and void and darkness covered the whole earth, I love this because it didn't reflect what God desired. But then God spoke and what he desired actually was born. It was birthed by him speaking a word and declaring over something that didn't reflect his desire. He spoke his desire and the thing that didn't reflect his desire actually took on the image of his desire. Just like our mind sometimes is so formless and void and darkness covers it. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. Why do you think the enemy wants to deceive your mind? Because he wants you to see yourself as an enemy of God and not a friend so that you don't know what your master's doing and you don't see yourself being a joint heir with the reality that God desires you to reflect. So if God, the biggest thing that God wants to do is watch this, challenge your perspective so that then you are renewed in your perspective so that you pursue your purpose. Do you ever take notice throughout the whole New Testament, John, Luke chapter five being one of them, when Jesus looks at the paralyzed man, he says, your sins are forgiven. Then he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Do you know how he, he watch, he transforms that man's perspective before he calls him into his perspective. Uh, per, he transforms his perspective before he calls him into his purpose. 
the biggest thing that God wants to do is he wants to take care of the very thing that alienates you from him and makes you think something that you're not that causes you to live a life opposite of what he desires you to live. Jesus is the pure representation of what the Father desires to inhabit all of us, and that's the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is pure representation of what God desires for all of us to possess and for all of us to pursue. You don't have to look far in the Bible to see what God's purpose and desire and destiny is for your life. All you have to do is look at the life of Christ. Christ is the reality. He's the form of what God wants to transform your mind so that you now look like Christ and walk like Christ in all that you do. The biggest thing that the Lord wants to, watch this. I love how God transformed the world through a word spoken. Jesus is the word made flesh. I'm a builder. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus is the word that came from the abundance of God's heart and desire for you. To reveal to you the reality of what now God wants you to reflect on this earth. That Watch, you, earn, you behold, God wants you to behold because what you behold you become. So Holy Spirit reveals to you, watch this, Holy Spirit reveals to you the reality of Christ because like a mirror, you're to reflect the image of Christ in your life. Because Jesus is literally what God desires for you, just like the word formed the earth and what God desired it to look like. Jesus is literally the word made flesh. He is the revelation. He is the revealing of what God desires us to become. And that is victorious sons of having authority in love with his kingdom over principalities and powers where enemies now become our footstools because just like Christ, we see ourselves overcoming the enemy. The thing that's caused us stress now causes, God says, you know, I just, I cause rest. The things that have caused you stress, you now get to rest. And I love this because God looked at man, mankind, I believe, just like in Jeremiah chapter 18, he didn't like how the, 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 the clay was forming, right? How many of you know that he creates Adam from the dirt? Clay, right? And then he, he tells Jeremiah to go down and he sees them molding this thing and it's, it's, it's fractured and it's messed up and he breaks it down and remolds it. Can I tell you something? The remold is Christ. It's a type in a shadow of Christ. Adam and Eve, watch, Adam was the broken vessel marred in the hands of the potter because of choice. They listened to another voice. That was where the sin started. They're moved by what they heard, but yet what they seen they could have, and they took the bite of the fruit, and now they fell prey to an illusion of who they weren't, and for a moment in their mind, they were disqualified of, in their own minds, they were disqualified of what they were called to be, called to be. That's what sin does. Sin is just an illusion that disqualifies you from being the true you. Sin is not who you are. It's not who you were created to be. And so now God sends his son to reveal to us who we're created to be. Does this make sense? Watch this. I, I said this last night, but I got to say it to a new face, a new group of people. Jesus, watch, the Garden of Eden, and I'm going to break this down so you can understand it. The Garden of Eden is a type and a shadow of Christ. 
How do you know that? Why? Watch this. Isn't it crazy how Jesus looks at uh, Adam and Eve? He says, let's walk together in the cool of the day. And he walks with them in the cool of the day and reveals to them all that's theirs. Right? And he says, now be fruitful and multiply. Go and replenish the earth. Why do you think Jesus then says, they'll know him by the fruit you bear? Why do you think Jesus says, bear fruit worthy of repentance? Why do you think he just commissioned his disciples to go and preach the gospel and make disciples? Because Christ, why do you think Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12, whatever you see me do, you can do and do even greater. Why do you think Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me? Because Jesus is literally the remold in Jeremiah 18, but he's actually the representation of what it means to be reconciled back to the Father, standing in a garden as if you never took the bite of the fruit. Jesus is literally the representation of what God, through relationship, wants to mold in your mind, like he did with Adam and Eve. All of this is yours. God put Jesus on display. So through relationship with Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit reveals to us who Christ is so that God says, now everything you see in the life of Christ is now yours. <laughs> this is better than you think. Do you know God is so good, you got to change the way you think. God is so better than you think. That's why God says you've got to change the way you think. And that's why God looks at your mind as a valley of dry bones with no life, and he speaks to form the right mind in you, the mind of Christ, to then empower you to become that very thing, which is Christ. And watch this, Christ means... Christ actually means anointed one. We're Christians, right? God actually reveals to us our anointing, and our anointing is to become what our flesh tries to tell us we can't be. Anointing doesn't start with a good preaching, a good prayer service. Anointing starts knowing who you are, knowing that you're anointed by Christ to look like Christ and to be Christ to this world. <laughs> Why? Because God put on display what he wants to anoint humanity with. That's sonship, that's identity, that's knowing who you are, that's being empowered by the beauty of this gospel called Jesus. So that you can now become and be fruitful and multiply and replenish. Whatever you see me do, you can do. That's awesome. But God says be fruitful and multiply Whatever you see me do, you can do and do even greater. <laughs> Jesus is a representation of Adam, the last Adam, because he fixed and then did what Adam didn't do. But I also believe G well, the Garden of Eden is a representation of who Christ is. Because watch this, the kingdom of heaven dwelt in the garden. Now, in the New Testament, the kingdom of heaven dwells in Christ to reveal to us what it looks like to not just hope one day we'll get to heaven, but Christ actually puts on display what it looks like to be filled with the kingdom and release the kingdom wherever you go. And it changed. Watch. That purpose right there that I'm talking about, Jesus is a representation of the garden 
And Jesus, just like the Father said, be fruitful, multiply, Jesus said that kind of when he said, whatever you see me do, you can do and do even greater. He's like, be fruitful and multiply this. I want you to do things better than me. The Bible says in John that the the world can't even contain the things that he said and did. Do you know Holy Spirit wants to reveal those things to you that have never been written down? So that that can be the launching pad for your lifestyle. And what if when he said that the things that Jesus said and did couldn't even be like documented the world couldn't contain the books that would be written what if we're part of the what if we're one of the authors what if he wasn't just talking about jesus three and a half years of ministry what if he was talking about the lifestyle that christ put on display that those who believe it and run with it now become the author of god's story for humanity Because if you become fruitful and multiply, the world shouldn't even be able to contain the things that come out of you and the things that you do. (laughs) I hope y'all get this, man. We get moved by a storm that's coming and hitting Florida and everyone wants to evacuate. Can I tell you something? Believers don't evacuate something that's tough. If anything, they're drawn to it to see it shift. And there's too many things that are going on in your state, that's going on in your family, that don't look good. Just like the earth didn't bear the the desire of God. But eventually, the thing that we now call earth bears the result of God's desire being spoken and manifested. What does it look like to look at something that doesn't reflect the desire of God? And instead of questioning His desire and questioning what He wants to do, what does it look like because we're empowered by Him to change? it what does it look like to not be moved by something that's formless and void and dark but what does it look like to actually be a light that goes and possesses that dark thing and actually speaks against it knowing the darkness can't comprehend it do you know the bible says fight the good fight of faith do you know it says in john chapter one that watch he is the light of the world and the light could not comprehend i'm sorry the darkness couldn't comprehend the light Do you know that word actually means that when darkness comes in combat with light, it doesn't have the ability to overtake or to win. Can I tell you something? We're all called to fight the good fight of faith. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But just to sum it up, we fight against something that if we know we possess the light, it doesn't have the ability to comprehend or lay a hold or defeat us. Fight the good fight of faith. Why? Because the enemy is going to try to discourage your faith so that you operate in fear so he can conquer you because now you're on his ground. But if you stand in faith knowing that this thing that doesn't bear the image of God's desire, if you just stand and believe that God gave you a promise for it and you stand in faith and even release a prophetic word over it knowing you have authority over those things that God hasn't forged or hasn't created from his heart if you realize you have authority over that thing and you start speaking and calling things forth to be as though they are you actually have the right to see something that doesn't bear the image of God's desire be transformed to look like what God desired it to look like (sighs) that's your purpose but he has to first change your perspective 
In Ezekiel 37, he says, prophesy to the dry bones, then prophesy to the breath. When Ezekiel spoke, two things happened. And I have to say this again. It's worth repeating. I love this because the first thing that happened was something was formed and then something was empowered. Whenever God speaks, he forms the right mind in you and then empowers you to pursue your purpose. God will empower, watch this, God will form in you the right mind so that, and then he'll empower you to pursue your purpose. God will change your perspective before he tells you to pursue your future. Because too many people are trying to diagnose their experience rather than overcoming their negative experience through an encounter with God. And the problem with society is they put a name that people can relate to with their issue. Well, I'm just an agnostic. I'm just an atheist. I'm just depressed. I'm just an alcoholic because it bears witness to their experience and who they are. But it's not who they are. And God will speak to make you uncomfortable. Because watch, uncomfortable people move. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uncomfortable people move. How many of you have ever been in front of a movie screen at a movie theater? You got your large popcorn that's refillable. You got a really large cup of iced tea or soda. And you sit and you nestle in and you're super excited about that two-hour movie. But then eventually you get uncomfortable. And you reason in your heart, I ain't going to the bathroom because I ain't missing this movie. And then you're looking for an excuse to go to the bathroom because you're uncomfortable. Uncomfortable people move. Can I tell you something? God speaks to make you uncomfortable. He speaks to stir you up. He speaks and, and, and forms this aggression in you and passion to not settle for where you are, but to reach for something that's beyond where you are. God will speak to not just form the right perspective in you, but he speaks to create passion for you to do something. Can I tell you something? Some of you might be even uncomfortable with me with the mic right now. Can I tell you something? God wants to make you uncomfortable so you move. God doesn't speak to conform to where you are. He speaks to make you uncomfortable so you don't sit and settle for where you are. But he speaks to stir something in you that, man, this is my excuse to move. <laughs> We've got to stop sitting and settling for something that doesn't look like Christ and just say it is what it is. And we need to start reasoning in our heart. The only thing is what it is, is the established desire of God. And that's found in Christ. And if there's an area in my life that doesn't look like Christ, that thing is being exposed, exposed as an imagination that must be cast down. Because that thought that I thought was reality is an imagination that's trying to exalt itself above the knowledge of God that he wants me to have an experience with. Hmm. Luke 5, when he, they lower the man down to Jesus, Jesus is revealed, but that man is exposed. Can I tell you something? Every time you allow Christ to be exposed through Holy Spirit, guess what happens? There is some type of imagination that is exposed 
that you need to cast down because it is trying to exalt itself above the knowledge that has just been presented to you. But God says that it's the, watch, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So he speaks to reveal to you what he's done for you to give a hope in you that that is now your reality, even though it's beyond your ability. And he speaks, watch this, he speaks and reveals something that might be uncomfortable because a lot of people get comfortable doing nothing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith without works is dead. You are no longer dead in sin. You're alive in Christ. So he's going to speak and call you into your purpose. Does this make sense? <laughs> your purpose is, watch, stop trying to find what your purpose is. Am I supposed to be a missionary? Am I supposed to preach? Am I supposed to do this or do that? You are supposed to be a son. Well, I don't know what that looks like. Jesus is the tada of God's will. <laughs> Jesus is the show and tell of God's will. <laughs> I don't know what God's will is for my life. Yes, you do. You've been reading red letters for all your life. <laughs> God looked at you in your sin and said, man, that's not a reflection of what I desire. Then you came to know him and he's like, you're still not the reflection of what I desire. You gave your life to me, but it's still formless and void. Let me be the filler. Let me be the abundance. Let me be truth and life and peace and joy and happiness. Just like God said, man, the trees and the birds and all of that that Adam named was his. God's like, you know what? Peace, love, joy, happiness, all found in Holy Spirit was in Christ. And Christ revealed to you what it means to be filled with God. And Jesus, God's like, you see this? It's yours. So freely receive it. And then be fruitful, multiply, give it away. Bring a hope in other people's lives that you once didn't have, but now you do. Do you know how the Bible says actions speak louder than words? That's why God sent his son. Because people couldn't understand through the law how much God loved them. They rebelled. So then God sent his son to fulfill the law, to reveal to us who were under the law how much the father loved us. <laughs> I hope uh, Pastor may never have me back, so i got to get it all in right now. <laughs> you get this so watch this i love this joshua chapter one he tells joshua meditate on the book of the law day and night he says make sure you don't depart from it because there was a generation that did and they're not stepping in what you're stepping into jesus watch this is so good in hebrews right in hebrews it says in chapter 12 it says the joy that was set before him that was the love of his father and the love of us the joy that was set before him he endured the cross can I tell you something? Jesus is the revelation of what God desires for your life that should create joy in you. Joshua is the meditate on the law. Jesus was the one who fulfilled the law. So you are no longer under the law bound, but you're empowered by grace. 
Can I tell you something? Jesus labored so you could steward. So Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that you could rise above the law and be empowered by grace. And he says, you know what? Just meditate on me. Look on me. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. How many of you know like storms like Irma try to come into our life and rob us of peace? Try to get our minds off of the joy that is set before us because he knows if he can get our mind off of who we are in Christ by us looking to Christ, then guess what happens? He will remove hope and we become sick. And he knows if we can get our mind, if he can get our minds off of Christ, as a man thinks, so is he. And he knows if he can get our minds off, because you become what you behold. See, I'm a builder. You become what you behold. If he can get your mind off of Jesus, then you become what you thought is, you think is truth, but is actually deception. But you get your eyes off of the very thing that causes hope in you so that you can endure all things. Fight the fight. It's, it's called fight the good fight of faith, not fight the fight of fear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you need a good dose of faith, yes, get into all of this right here. But can I tell you something? The greatest thing that reunites your mind and your life, watch this, the greatest thing that reunites you to God is a transformation of your mind. What shall separate us from the love of God? In reality, nothing. But can I tell you something? That doesn't mean that's the reality you live in. As a man thinks, so is he. If you think you're an enemy of God, you'll live alienated. If you see yourself as a friend, you'll live your life joined. And I'm almost done, but a lot of times what happens is we allow what we see to be the thing that determines who we are. Well, if I was loved by God, then this thing wouldn't happen. Can I tell you something? You were loved by God, which means you're empowered to overcome what's happening. <laughs> Everything Adam and Eve needed in life was in the garden. Everything we need in our life is through the example of Christ's life. I just don't know, Ryan. You, you just sound... Like, too, too optimistic. I, I, you're just trying to get my hopes up. In my, yeah, I am. <laughs> you're just trying to get my hopes up. I am trying to get your hopes up. Wow. Because the enemy is trying to, watch. The enemy is trying to portray imaginations as truth. So that you live a life based off of an imagination rather than truth. I love this because Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Everything that brings you back to the Father is found in the example of Christ. <laughs> what does God desire for me to do? If you don't got a boat, walk on water. <laughs> What does God desire me to do? If someone's blind in front of you, pray for them to be healed. What does God desire me to do when I find myself surrounded by fools? He just wants you to speak truth. <laughs> what do I do when there's a storm? You rebuke it. <laughs> what do you like? What, like, what do I do? God? Like everything that pertains to truth and godliness is all in Christ. 
Everything that points out your righteousness is, and, and point, points out, watch, all steps are ordered by the Lord. Why? Because they were performed through Christ. They were ordained and anointed by Christ so that you could walk in his footsteps. That's what righteousness is, to walk just like him. That's your purpose. But can I tell you something? Too many times we get overwhelmed by what we're called to, and that's why God first needs to change our mind. Get rid of our stinking thinking and change the way we think. Watch. Remember in the Old Testament, and I'm, I'm done, I gotta be done, but remember in the Old Testament how it, they, they laid the, the branches across the water and it turned the bitter water sweet? Can I tell you something? Christ and everything he did on the cross is the very thing that's laid on the bitter waters of your soul. What do you mean by that? I'm an orphan, no one loves me. I was forsaken by everyone, but not by all. One loved you and stood up for you, and his name is Jesus Christ. Stinking thinking, bitter thinking. There's no way I'm going to overcome this. There's no way I'm going to be able to overcome this mountain of debt or overcome this issue or overcome this problem. Christ put all of that on himself so that you don't have to carry it. You know what irritates me? When people think, when Jesus says, pick up your cross, what irritates me is that we think that we're actually to carry what he already carried. When it says, if you deny yourself, desire to come after me, you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, deny yourself doesn't mean just sin. It's thoughts that were not formed by God, but formed through selfishness. Denying every thought that says you can't and embracing the truth that says you can. And I love this and I'm done, but Jesus is the literal bitter, like the, the tree that comes upon my bitter soul to make all things sweet. But I love this because picking up your cross isn't what he already nailed to the cross. It's living a life in your identity because of the cross. The freedom, the blessing, the restoration, the breakthrough that you receive because of the cross now takes the form of the cross that you're called to carry. The cross isn't your burden, but your cross is your identity because of what Christ put on the cross to free you of that burden. And now your identity is rooted and grounded in, 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 in your purpose that transforms your perspective. Too many people live below what they're called to because they don't even know what they're called to and they don't feel like they have a right to it. They think it's a far-fetched idea that only a few obtain. When really, that's why, seriously, Christ lays upon your soul to turn it sweet. So that you can live a life as a sweet smell and aroma before the Lord. Why are you saying all of this? Because guys, there is so much that God wants you to do. And he's tired of his people being stuck idolizing what was. When he wants us to embrace the new. Too many people, I believe, in the church, the body of Christ, are stuck idolizing what was rather than being in a place of hope to embrace the new. What, what, what are you trying to say? God wants to change the way you think. Because watch, 
you'll never possess with your feet if hope is never conceived in your heart. Before Joshua possessed Jericho, he had to possess a hope. Before he possessed the promised land, he had to possess a hope. That's why in Genesis 1, God is creating within him a culture of being strong and courageous. Yeah. Christ revealed, listen, and I'm done. Christ, this is like a, I won't drop it, but Christ revealed to you. Christ revealed to you is the hope that is set up in you to possess with your feet the reality of what is yours even though you feel like it's beyond your current ability. This is new stuff. I hope you get it. Because you ever take notice that Adam and Eve never questioned their right in the garden? They just knew they had a privilege to it. What does it look like to be so overwhelmed by God's truth, you know you just have a right to it and you don't question it? I'm a builder. Jesus rebuked his disciples, chastised, corrected them. A, because he loved them and wanted to lead them to truth. Watch this. I love when he calmed the storm. It gave them hope that when they're in the next storm, they can calm it too. But can I tell you something? Jesus chastised them because they didn't rest in the word when the circumstance was opposite of it. There's so much going on in Florida right now. And it's not cool. There's so much going on in America that's not cool. And rather than allowing the world to frame, watch, to frame and to name what God says is not good, why don't we reveal the goodness of God before people, because we live a life for God that makes people see the goodness of God and repent so he can look at their soul and say it's good. There might be things that are happening in your life right now that God does not call good. That you don't call good. Instead of thinking God placed it there, why don't you have a hope that he removed it on the cross? Before I talk about the purpose of prophecy and the purpose, your greatest calling is to be a son, to be a daughter. And Christ reveals that so well. Christ is what Adam and Eve discovered in the cool of the day when they walked with God for the New Testament church. <laughs> Jesus, God's like, you see what you see, my son? It's yours. Just go be fruitful with that. <laughs> you know, I used to think, and I think we were talking about this, Gary, like when it said be fruitful, multiply, that meant make babies. I think it means make disciples. <laughs> By being a disciple. I'm not saying you can't have a quiver that's full, but what does it look like to be fruitful, to prosper, but you know what? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. It's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. And fruit follows. 
You'll know them by the fruit they bear. You'll know that you're my, they'll know you're my disciples indeed, if. Jesus is the goodness of God put on display for our soul to see and repent so we bear fruit that bears his name. Because he is love. Why do you think he says that you have love one for another? Because you're supposed to become like your father who is love. I love this because Jesus is like, I want you to know me intimately and I want to conceive in you things that you are to birth called fruit where it changes things around you rather than the things that are around you change you. Stop allowing what you see to determine what you believe. When in the kingdom, what you hear should be what determines what you believe. And just like God says, this earth doesn't bear the image of what I desire. What does it look like for you to look at a storm called Irma or to look at a situation or a circumstance and say, this is not bearing the reflection of God's desire. I'm acknowledging him in all ways and and that thing is not God. I don't see God in that, but what I do see coming is God manifesting and overtaking what doesn't look like him with him. I see God breaking that thing that doesn't bear his image and remolding it so it looks like his image. In the first place that starts is the miracle within you. I'll say this one more time. Stop allowing what you see to determine what you believe. Allow what you hear to be the thing that you believe despite what you see. Believing what you hear is what you're going to see because what God speaks is what he desires to become your reality. Your faith is giving God permission to overtake what you think is reality with his. And trust and believing he can do it and get the job done. There is so much that God wants to do in this place tonight. But I needed a challenge and just speak to your perspective tonight because God wants to speak to give you hope for a reality that is beyond your ability. So you can press for something and know it's yours even though the circumstance is saying it's beyond your control. Come on, somebody. To speak about this a little bit, there's so much, man, that I've seen God do because I refuse to allow what I see to determine what I believe. In my own life, and, and, and I've seen it change and transform so many people, and I believe that's gonna happen tonight. Just to share a couple of testimonies with you, I, I had the privilege of praying for a person who had a tumor in his spine. And, and, and uh, we prayed for him. He goes out in the presence of the Lord Pastor. He comes back up, and I said, man, you're gonna go back to the doctor and not find anything. Why? Because we weren't moved by what we seen, and we weren't moved by the report. We were moved by what we heard, and that was by the stripes on Jesus' back, he's healed. He goes back to the doctors, and they don't find any tumor, and they call it a modern-day miracle. A doctor saying that. Man. 
we pray for so many people and we're seeing so many breakthroughs, so many restorations, so many healings. I prayed for a lady one time, pastor, her leg was three inches long, um, shorter than the other. And I pray, I'm telling her what God was gonna do and there's a group of people around us when I'm telling her what God's gonna do because you're calling things to be as though they are because you already believe that's what God desires it to be. It's a formless and void situation, but you don't turn your back on it. You're like, let's change this. Let's make this look like Jesus. And so I looked at this formless and void situation and her back, her back was in pain. She had sciatic nerve issues and we just prayed for her leg to grow. And before we even prayed, Pastor, I'm talking to her about it. Her leg grows out the three inches before we even prayed for her. The crowd freaks out by this image, right? She stands up. She said she had a surgery where they had to go in from her stomach to get to her spine to remove something, a mass of something. So what had happened then was she said that her belly button was no longer in the center. It was off to the side. And she starts poking her stomach. She's like, oh my gosh, can I pull my shirt up right now? I'm like, no, go to the bathroom, check it out, come back. You know what I mean? We don't need no belly dancer up in here. You know what I mean? She goes into the bathroom. I'm praying for more people. We had double doors to the church. And as I'm standing there getting ready to pray for someone else, she's like, it's in line. It's in line. And I go, what? And she comes bursting through the doors like a, like a cowboy goes through like the bar doors. And he just, she's like, poof. It's aligned. It's aligned. And I said, what in the world? And she says, Ryan, my belly button was over here at my hip, which is weird. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. Why is it there? <laughs> it's like the doctor messed up and forgot something. You know what I mean? Formless and void situation. And God formed and empowered it. And she said, Ryan, it was over here and it moved right direct center into my stomach, completely healed. Now that bears the image of what we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. Come on, that's the greater things that we'll do if we just get this thing. That's our purpose. But to reach that purpose, to fulfill that purpose, to fulfill that calling, we need to have the right perspective. Does this all make sense tonight? Jesus looks at your soul and says, I don't like it. Let me change it by my example. Let's make this beautiful where we call it good. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Let me just say a couple more. One, one, this, you were there for this one, Donna. I was in Bible study, and it was funny because when I told pastor, my pastor what happened at Bible study, he's like, this happened in Bible study? aren't you supposed to have a Bible study? I'm like, the Bible just came alive. It was just weird. <laughs> it just was like a production of something. It was like we believed in it and it actually happened. <laughs> you know, too many times we're studying to have knowledge rather than allowing knowledge to spark an excitement and a desire to have an experience with it through an encounter where it produces wisdom. The all of God is knowledge. Our application and experience with knowledge produces wisdom. We study to know, but we don't study to become. We need to study to know, but we need to study to become so that when things question who we are, we stand approved, approved by one, and his name is Jesus. 
Study to show yourself approved. Because there won't be things to try to disprove who you are. Like a belly button that's at a hip. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Thank God I didn't know that. Because I would have been like, God, what are we going to do? <laughs> oh my gosh. But what does it look like to be so overwhelmed with truth that it doesn't matter what it looks like. You don't care. Because you know what it's going to look like. So, so I was in, we were in Bible study and it was so cool. God gave me this prophetic word for the lady that was standing and sitting in the back. I'm teaching. And in the middle of my teaching, Donna's there. I ain't lying. And I believe it was right in the middle of my teaching. I said, hey, you. She's like, yeah. I said, listen, the Lord just spoke to me to speak to you. And I'm not doing that. Listen, I'm a kid that is just a daddy junkie. And I love talking about Jesus. And I love talking about my dad. It's not about me. It's not building a credibility with your pastor. So he has me back. Hopefully he does. But it's to give an excitement to who God is. Because God says, this is what you get to possess if you just have a hope conceived in your heart by allowing the will of the Father, which is Jesus, being revealed to you to stir that hope for you to reach that purpose. Because you'll never possess with your feet if you don't have a hope conceived in your heart. So anyways, she gets to this place where she, she, she's sitting back, and the Lord gave me an image of a box. And I said, girl, I see a box. And she's like, well, okay. Hey, I see a box. And I said, I just see the Spirit of the Lord telling me that you didn't pack that box in vain. And I just went into this real deep personal prophetic word in front of the whole class. And I said, I just hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that you didn't pack the box in vain. And I said, for some reason, I see you sitting on a porch and dancing and leaping and twirling in this big old field with flowers and you just don't have a care in the world, and you're so free of depression, so free of this, so free of that, and you're just leaping and dancing and twirling before the Lord, and I see your husband is addicted to this, but the Lord is breaking that addiction, and he works on a road crew, and da-da-da-da-da, and word for word, it's reading her life. Okay, now she's sitting with another lady and a man, right? This lady she's sitting with is now her best friend. This is weird. It's her best friend, but her best friend this lady with her husband, this best friend of the lady that just got the word is now the one that got the words ex-wife and they're best friends. Can you imagine how this man must feel? Your now wife is best friends with your ex-wife. She's sitting there. She's like, this is so true about your life. And this is so true about where Mike is. And this is just awesome. She comes up to me later and she says, Ryan, we moved up from a certain location to PA and she says, we were literally sitting and looking at our boxes, contemplating if we made the biggest mistake of our life. And we literally said, we must have packed these boxes in vain. And you interrupted your teaching and said that God told me to tell you that you didn't pack the box in vain. Do you see how there is something that was bitter and the revelation of Christ just came and made her perspective, her soul sweet? And she was just like, it blows me away. And everything you said about my husband's great. But she says, this is the freaky thing. I was literally sitting on my porch this morning, looking at the five acre field that's in front of my house, saying, God, once I am free from these elements, I would love to run and dance and twirl in this field. She said that at like eight in the morning and around 10, 30, 11 o'clock, God releases. I see you leaping and dancing and twirling before the Lord. Can I tell you something? Instead of using prayer to try to change God's mind, why don't you allow prayer to be a way that God can change your mind? <laughs> it's 
So she's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So now the ex-wife comes up and she says, dude, you need to pray for me right now. My ear, I can't hear. I'm like, oh, come on. This is going to be awesome. She's like, there's all this fluid. I can't hear a thing. We start praying for her. Her husband's outside for a little bit. We pray for her ear. And all of a sudden she goes, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And he now comes into the picture. This is so cool. And she goes, I can so here right now. And I couldn't, I, I, you know, baby, like I could hear. And he goes, Oh my God. I said, Hunt. I said, dude, put your hand on her ear. And he puts her hand on her ear. And I said, let's pray together. And I said, God, I just pray you release the fluid and bring healing, bring life, bring breakthrough, bring restoration. We speak life and healing to this ear right now in Jesus name. And then all of a sudden she literally felt the liquid pouring physically out of her ear. And now she received complete healing in that ear. No more deafness. If that was you or the miracle, you'd be celebrating. But can I tell you something? This should give you a hope to your bitter soul. <sighs> that there's hope. So now go possess what's yours because he stirred you a hope up. He's made you uncomfortable so you don't settle for where you are. Uncomfortable people move. I'm sharing this to get you excited. I'm sharing this to make you uncomfortable purposely. I love sharing things that make people uncomfortable because then you just move either away or to <laughs> you hate me or you love me then. Right. One more testimony, if it's OK. It was so cool. I was sitting in my in my my bedroom one or in my, in my living room one day. I mean, have you ever been in that place where you're not being spiritual whatsoever? You're seeing what's on Discovery Channel. <laughs> Wondering where Shark Week is and. What shark is what and what kind of experiment they're doing with sharks. You just, and that's what I was doing, Pastor. I was just turning on some sports, ESPN, and then flipping over to Discovery. I love that recall button. And I'm just, I love just the recall button, right? And I'm going back and forth and stuff, not being spiritual at all. And the father instantly drops a revelation in me. And he says, Ryan, my people are misrepresenting me. And now people are not approaching me because of the church's approach to them and their failure. I wept for, it felt like hours. Then two days later, I'm at a church on a Thursday night preaching the gospel and there's a lady in the midst of people and instantly I just go, you and I pour out of the crowd and I start prophesying and I said you've got a bad back and this is what's going on oh my gosh how do you know that and she comes up front to get prayer and I pray for her and instantly her back gets healed she realizes the goodness of God and rededicates her life to the Lord but that's not the coolest part even though that's pretty darn awesome she says Ryan this is the first time I've stepped into a church in 10 years she says, and literally almost word for word, she says, I stopped approaching God because of the church's approach to me and my failure. They ridiculed me. They shamed me. They made fun of me. And I reasoned in my heart, I hate the church. I hate anyone who preaches the gospel and I will never go back to church again. But she came to a school thinking it wasn't church and she got fooled. <laughs> She said, I'm sitting in the church disgusted and mad because my friends tricked me into coming, forced me to come. 
begged me to come, gave me puppy eyes and all. And she says, I came to church and I was mad. I was mad at the church. I was mad at the worship. And I hated you because there was someone like you that hurt me. And I just looked at her with tears in my eyes. And I said, honey, I am so sorry that people have misrepresented you, misrepresented the father. The reason they misrepresented the father, because they truly didn't encounter the father. Because if they encountered the father, they would have never been the same. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. And I'm sorry, there's still a seed that is embedded in their lives that need to be removed because it's reproducing after itself and it's not the seed of Christ. Why do you think Christ needs to be revealed in your soul to make everything that you were reproducing to be burned and to be removed so that now Christ can come in and make things sweet? So she gets healed and delivered. This is, and says she's like, Ryan, but tonight you have truly this church, you, this, I truly realize the reality of who God really is. And it's a God that I want to approach. Because I realize he doesn't approach me with requirement. He actually approaches me out of desire. I'm like, yay. So only 10 minutes into my message. It was all over then, right? This lady comes up. She's like, Ryan, you need to pray for my back. I got steel rods, got all of this. And the Lord instantly spoke to me. And you said, you don't pray for her. You have the girl that just got healed and saved to pray for her. <laughs> I'm doing this to build faith, but I'm showing you how God looks at something formless and void and wants to create something beautiful. Turn the bitter water sweet. So all of a sudden, she gets up. And she's getting ready to walk away. She's like, you pray for her. I said, no, you're going to pray for her. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, yeah, you are. And she lays hands on her back. And it was such the simplest prayer, Pastor. She says, be healed in Jesus' name. Just be healed in Jesus' name. It's almost like a four-year-old just saying, boo-boo, go away. So good. She's like, Jesus, just heal her. I know what, pa-. and she goes into the word. So good. She's like, I know what back pain is, but you, you haven't created me and her for back pain. So heal her in Jesus' name. Heal her in Jesus' name. She steps back and she says, I'm going to tell you what Ryan just told me. Bend over and check it out. I'm now not ministering. I'm just like. She, pre- she bends over and she's still rods in her back. Bends over, touches her back. The girl that got healed freaked out. But what about the one that didn't grace the threshold of a church for 10 years? Given up on God, and now she's full engaged with God again, and now knows the reality of who He is. That's why I preached what I preach, because God wants every seed to reproduce after its own kind. Christ wants to impregnate you with His example so that you reproduce in the life that you live the reflection of God's desire. I was formless and void, but now God's formed me as a reflection of His desire. And she's like, the girl that prayed and she prayed for her to get healed, she, the girl with the bendable rods now, if anything. <laughs> she's freaking. I could never do this before, you know? And the girl, <laughs> the girl is like, and she goes like this and walks away looking at her hands. <laughs> she sits down. I can't preach after this, right? I don't even know what to do, right? People are just laid out everywhere then, right? But she's like, oh my gosh. The whole rest of the service, she's just staring at her hands. And she, I was like, why are you looking at your hands? And she says, I never thought I could accomplish things. I, this, was, this is what's crazy. The Lord spoke to me and I told her, I said, listen, 
Isn't it awesome that you can accomplish so much with something so small as the palm of your hand? Because it has nothing to do with the size of your, your, the size of your hands, it has nothing to do with the size of the problem, it has everything to do with the size of the faith of the big God that lives and loves you. And that's why I'm sharing with you tonight what I'm sharing with you. Because I believe there's some of you right now that are going through things that look formless and void and dark and you're having this fight of faith and you think darkness is winning. Can I tell you something? You are light and you are life because the one that is light that became life to men lives in you. And you possess the very thing that was beaten, scourged, whipped, tested and tried but on the third day reigned, came out victorious. You're actually become what you behold. But watch this. Can I tell you something? You're supposed to behold the very thing that was tested and tried, but on the third day came out victorious. You're actually supposed to become the very thing that was tested and tried and came out victorious. So that means whatever is coming against you is not going to be victorious. Just like Christ, the word made flesh, you're going to come out victorious. So you might be here tonight and you're saying, you know what? I'm looking at some things that don't look too good right now. Can I tell you something? God doesn't want tonight to, watch, God doesn't want tonight to be another night. God says, you know what, I am tired of your circumstance shaming you. I'm tired of your circumstance shaming you. I want to heal, I want to restore, I want to set you free. So with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, Maybe you're here right now and you're like, you know, it sounds good and all about bearing the image of Christ and bearing the reflection of God's desire and just sounds all good. It makes me feel all wet, warm and tingly inside. Woohoo, that sounds great. Can I tell you something? I didn't just come tonight for God to inform you. God came tonight to revolutionize you, to change you, to heal you, to deliver you, to set you free. Why? Because God wants to do something that creates hope in you so that you can possess your future. And part of that purpose in your future is to stir hope up in others. Remember how I said earlier, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You actually have the right to have a testimony of how the word has impacted you so that it gives hope in others that the word can impact them. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What if it's a word of your testimony of how the word impacted you in the midst of the test that raises up hope in someone else while they're going through a test? And your testimony is the very thing that stirs up faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Faith comes out of the words that you speak of how the word impacted your life. But can I tell you something? You can't do that unless the word impacts your life. And God wants to impact your life tonight and completely change and transform your life. So if you're in here tonight and you're saying, you know what, I'm going through some stuff. My life is impacted by darkness right now. It looks and feels like darkness is winning. I have darkness. I have pressure. I have issues. I have debt that's against me. I have problems. I have circumstances. And I'm just weighted down by something that seems bigger than Storm Irma. And I just need some breakthrough in my life. Can I tell you something? One of the things that I adore of this place, and I've just met this place. I've just met your pastor. Uh, one of the things that I adore is the freedom for God to do what he wants to do. 
And you know, one of the things that God wants to do, like there's a freedom here. They just want God to do what he wants to do. It's not about a plan or a bulletin. It's just about what is on God's heart. And pastor, one of the things that I believe is on God's heart tonight, and he's, he wants to do miracles. He wants to do healings. He wants to do breakthroughs. He wants to do restorations. And maybe you're here tonight and something is formless and void, just like the kingdom of heaven was in, uh, in the garden. God says the kingdom of heaven is in you and there is no sickness, there is no disease, there is no worry. You don't have to work by the sweat of your brow in the garden. And can I tell you something? You don't have to work by the sweat of your brow in the kingdom and the kingdom lives in you. Why are you saying this? There's no sickness or disease or worry or fear. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That's why heaven has freedom because the spirit of the Lord dwells there. But it says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you're the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? So when it says that when you prayed a prayer, you didn't just pray a prayer to get to heaven. You actually prayed a prayer for the spirit of God, which created the kingdom of heaven to live inside of you. So literally you prayed a prayer for the spirit of God and the kingdom of God to live inside of you, to form things and also to empower things. So in reality, freedom, healing, breakthrough that is in heaven now resides in you as a right. And it's a requirement of your identity that you are to be healed and you're to be set free and you're to be delivered. Why? Because Jesus paid a price to crush the things that were against you because Jesus is your Jubilee. And just like the year of Jubilee canceled out debt, Jesus is your Jubilee to cancel out everything that is debt against you. So maybe you're here tonight and you got some debt that's against you. I am a firm believer that just preaching the gospel tonight was prophecy. But can I tell you something? I believe the greatest thing God wants to do right now tonight, and I'm not saying prophecy won't ring out, but I believe the greatest thing that God wants to do tonight is heal you, set you free, deliver you. The reason I shared those testimonies is I like to brag on my dad. I'm a proud son, but I also like to do that to stir faith.